Hello and welcome to Future You, the podcast brought to you by graduate careers experts, Prospects. I'm your host, Emily Slade, and this episode is all about artificial intelligence. I chat to Carl Chalmers and Paul Fergus from Liverpool John Moores University about their project, Conservation AI, where conservation meets artificial intelligence, and the MSc Artificial Intelligence course offered at LJMU. So my name's Carl Chalmers. I'm a reader at Liverpool John Moores University, and I teach on the Applied AI course with my uh, colleague, Professor Paul Fergus. Uh, we also run a large conservation AI platform um, where we analyze real-world data uh, and, and apply real-world techniques using artificial intelligence. And then we use that a lot in our MSc program. Okay, so yes, uh, I'm uh, Paul Fergus. Uh, I'm a professor of machine learning at Liverpool John Moores University. So I've been here for about 20 years. Um, did my PhD here, but uh, more recently, I I co-founded Conservation AI with my colleague Carl, um, who's going to talk a little bit more about that in a minute. Um, but yes, yeah, so I basically teach uh, mainly around um, deep learning, and my research is around deep learning applications. Um, so Conservation AI is a research project that's been in development at, at John Moores University. It's been sort of developed by myself and Paul and some other academics around the university. Um, and what it does is it allows us to use artificial intelligence to analyze the vast quantities of data that are being generated from conservation practices. So that could be things like uh, cameras being put out in the wild, acoustic sensors being put out in the wild. And what conservationists are really struggling with now with all these different sensors being put out into the environment is how you process this data in a timely manner. Um, so it's, yeah, it's been in development for around six years. We've sort of used in anger over the last sort of 18 months, and we've just come up to around 20 million images that we've processed. And we've got ongoing projects over in North America, the Snow Leopard Trust in, in Asia. Uh, we were actually the very first organization to detect a pangolin in real time um, using artificial intelligence. Um, and it sort of works by people being able to upload all the historical data. So they put cameras out into the environment and our AI analyzes all of that data and gives them a report at the end or more recently we do a lot more real-time cameras so these connect over three 4g networks we've got cameras distributed all over the planet some are used for animal wildlife and human conflicts um, some of it's for anti-poaching and we were actually caught our very first poacher in uganda the other year he was trying to um, poach a pangolin um, so we always build sort of enterprise technologies around conservation ai and that sort of leads into our msc course which Paul's going to talk a little bit about, but just give you an idea how the platform works. A pangolin walked in front of a camera in Uganda, and in under 20 seconds, the image was sent to the UK, processed, and the alert sent out to the rangers. So we're using that speediness of artificial intelligence to make a real difference and giving the conservationists a lead and edge in sort of biodiversity monitoring. That's incredible. Paul, if you're able to tell us a bit more about the master's course. Yeah, so we uh, run a master's course in artificial intelligence that mainly focus on machine learning, some traditional, but mainly deep learning applications. Uh, you know, we, we tend to teach a lot, of, a lot of things that we do in our own research. So the, the course was, I was always running, I think it's his fourth year, fourth year running now. And we do things like computer vision, large language models, uh, but not just the, the AI itself, but how do you actually integrate these technologies and make them public facing? So how do you host them on web? front ends so people can interact and, and access those uh, deep learning models like you can do with conservation AI. And so, yeah, that's been really, really useful. We work with NVIDIA and a number of different partners who have guided us on in terms of what, you know, industry expects to see uh, from students who are leaving university. The cutting edge technologies that we're, we're teaching are becoming 
you know, more and more important in industry and, you know, organizations are really looking to try to capitalize on things like computer vision and, you know, large language models, you know, things like chat GTP. So yeah, the course has been a, a massive success and that's been growing uh, year on year. Amazing. So what sort of opportunities does the course offer to the students that take it? Oh, it's, it's huge. I mean, they, they, it's, it's, it's an interesting course because it's a it's applied. So both myself and Carl previously uh, came from industry. So we worked as software engineers in industry. So we've got a very good handle on you know, what industry is actually looking for. So there's a massive mathematical element to uh, machine learning, but actually what organizations want is they want you to basically implement this technology and start to solve real-world problems. You know, how do they get that competitive edge? How do they capitalize on AI to, you know, to unblock some of the bottlenecks that they have in industry? And this really gives them that technical capability. You know, they can literally build end-to-end -end solutions you know, from storing data in databases right up to hosting those machine learning models on, uh, on the web, uh, which is actually quite a rare thing. You know, when you start to talk to industry and, and many organizations, they, they still struggle to understand how do you actually make those, how do you make AI accessible? How do you capitalize use that to, you know, within uh, the work process they have, which is a little bit challenging, but uh, our students definitely come out with those skills. Have you had any uh, sort of real-time feedback from your students that have already completed the course? Yeah, so, I mean, the feedback from the course uh, students have been absolutely amazing. A lot of our students have actually gone out and got some really high-profile jobs, especially in some of the blue-chip companies like IBM and Microsoft. Um, you know, great comments back from the students saying everything you taught on the course was covered in the interview assessment centres. That was really good validation about what we're teaching on the course. And as Paul said, we work a lot with, with companies like NVIDIA. So myself and Paul are both uh, DLI instructors, so Deep Learning Institute instructors for NVIDIA, and we're also university ambassadors. So we're constantly working with companies like NVIDIA, which most of you all know is the new trillion-dollar company on the block who, who sort of facilitates that AI, you know, embedding it into our daily lives. Um, they really are at the forefront. And by working with them, we can create course material, make sure it's applicable for our students. So when they go out to industry, you know, they pass the assessment centers and there's, there's no shell shock, no job shock when they go out there. They're familiar with all the libraries and all the SDKs. I've got a note here that says, real world experience and learning isn't restricted to the classroom. And I understand you've got a really good example of that. Uh, is this the, the line example? Everyone loves the line example. So yeah, so basically what, what we tend to do with our students is that we try to give them projects, particularly the final degree project. We try to link that with partners that we work with. So your people like Chester Zoo or with Nosley Safari. So that particular one, when we worked with Nosley uh, Safari a few years ago, they were the first kind of animal um, organization that we worked with when we were training our models to recognize um, animals in, in images. We were there and we were, look, we were talking to the guy who runs the lion paddock. And he was saying that they actually have words, which kind of blew my mind that little bit. It turns out they have about nine different words that mean different things. So we basically had a student who uh, trained uh, an algorithm, a deep learning algorithm to recognize or at least translate those sounds that the lions made to translate them into English corresponding words. To the help of the, the keeper, they, uh, they allowed us to make that translation, that, uh, that transition. And it sounds like a little bit gimmicky though, but actually has a huge amounts of utility there. So you can imagine 
putting these sensors into you know into forests or to jungles or to very remote areas where you can start to listen and you know try to understand what is the health of, of those environments and what are the animals saying are they um in danger are they anxious about something there's something change in that environment which is happening globally around the world for a number of different reasons so being able to do that translation is really really useful so for example you look at um you know the the the, the fires that happen globally now these wildfires so if that was happening then the animals would behave differently the sounds of that environment would would be different so you imagine if you could detect those sounds much earlier on and you could perhaps localize where those fires perhaps are, you may be able to put interventions in much quicker, you know, which would save land, which would save animal and wildlife uh, lives and so on. So I think the, the, long, the longer term impact of being trying to translate what animals are saying to listen to them and to use that in a positive way has got huge potential. Yeah, I've got another note here that says there's such an array of areas in life that can benefit from AI. Uh, what other examples do you have? Yeah, so I mean, we've, we we work with a lot of different disciplines and obviously AI is one of the most disruptive technologies um, right across the border disciplines. So we've even done things like for the Metropolitan Police and things like crime detection. So we last year processed over 100 million images for the Metropolitan Police using the same technology stack that we use for conservation AI. And that, that actually led to a conviction of a murderer who got 35 years in prison. So again, the Met Police were swamped with all this CCTV data and we were able to use that speediness of artificial intelligence to analyze all that data and structure all that data. And that led to a successful conviction of a murderer. So that's just, just one side of things. Obviously, you've got things like um, driverless cars coming down the road now, forgive the pun, um, where we're using computer vision systems and sensor systems to do that. Um, also in healthcare, obviously, doing automatic diagnosis of CT scans, X-rays, MRI scans, you know, especially in healthcare more than anywhere, those, those seconds do really matter when you're treating a critical patient. So AI is pretty much like a Swiss army knife of technology. There's not a single domain that you can't deploy it to. Once you understand the core principles and the technologies that support it, you can, you can go into drug discovery and you know, any number of different fields. And that's what makes our students very employable, right? And also what makes the discipline very interesting. No two days are ever the same. You're always working on a different domain, a different challenge, and it keeps it very fresh. And I think that's what we really love about artificial intelligence and instilling that into our students is, is, is a key cornerstone of what we do. Yeah, absolutely. I was going to say, what's the, the most exciting part about working with AI for you guys? Oh, God, there's so much. I mean, I've, I've been working AI for 30 years now. So I did my degree in 1994. So I'm showing my age here now. And uh, I've just loved the discipline. And I think probably over the last um, 10 years or so, it's been really interesting. It's, it's just developed so quickly. So what we're seeing now, it, it is really as transformational. And I think there's a number of reasons for that. You know, uh, not only have we got huge amounts of data from the internet now, but we've got this massive compute from uh, GPUs, which are provided by NVIDIA. And of course, we've got these huge... Um, neural networks, so these are the, the deep learning neural networks that we work with. So these are things that mimic how the brain works, but they're very, very big, the large, large um, 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 constructs. So I think the convergence of these three different things has really led to the, 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 the big discoveries that we're starting to see, you know, and you've seen things like with AlphaGo and AlphaFold and there's um, you know, driverless cars now, which is pretty much, it, it 
in terms of technical capabilities sold, it's more the legislative, you know, uh, things to, to come over, you know, who who's responsible if the car crashes and how do you insure it and all these most um, soft kind of um, uh, uh, fringe issues. But, you know, I'd like Carl said in, you know, doing it into healthcare, um, it's just every day we seem to be seeing lots of do, new um, uh, advances. The large language models are perhaps the, the most recent we've seen. And if you start to play around with chat GTP, particularly for service and chat OpenAI now just about to release one for vision. So there's a huge um, area which I find really fascinating is where we start to interconnect these modalities. So you can only see hear, touch, smell, but you can, you know, you can make sense of that and you can actually start to bring these, you can fuse these different modalities together and start to, I don't know, I think you start to create really sophisticated applications for that. So for example, where we see this in conservation AI is that you can see the, you know, we, we've got the videos that we do with the object detection, the images, and we can detect what the animals are. But now you can imagine if you can start to automatically report that. So you've got, this linkage with computer vision with large language models. So whatever they are, the, the, these kind of artificial eyes see, they start to document that in real time. Uh, and that's really great then for things like environmental monitoring, you know, for biodiversity assessments where we can, you know, see and respond to things much quicker. Yeah, I mean, it's just a diversity, I think, is the most interesting thing with artificial intelligence. Being able to apply it to absolutely anything is, is the exciting parts of, of it. I mean, I get a real kick out of being able to sort of accelerate, you know, things we weren't able to do before or, you know, facilitate new things we weren't able to do before. And, and, and that, for me, gives me the most excitement. I think our Paul said is this multimodality. So, you know, combine all these different models together to give you um, higher levels of intelligence um, and, and, and support humans and, and, and people and what they do in their everyday lives. There's this great thing about artificial intelligence, you know, um, you know, taking over people's jobs. Well, it's not really there for that. It's it's more of a co-pilot. It's more of an assistant to help you do more, much more with your time more efficiently. Um, but I think some of the greatest stuff is going to come in the next sort of two years, and and it's definitely a discipline you want to try and learn, even if you don't understand the technical aspects of it. Just being able to understand the technology and use it in a safe and ethical way, you know, is something that we're all going to have to get used to. It's something that we're going to, you know have to live with over the next coming years. And I think it'll be an, an amazing journey. There's so much excitement on the horizon. I was going to say, what does what does the future look like? Uh, obviously, there's the sort of scary sci-fi mentality of, oh no, robots will take over. But I mean, blue sky, what what can you envision AI being used for in the future? I mean, we don't 100% we don't know. We don't 100% know how this technology is going to mature over time. But there's all these scary stories about you know robots and they're going to be we're going to be surrounded by these and I think that'll be absolutely true. I think in a few years you will see you know robots like Boston Dynamics, which is you know directly fitted with things like large language models and ChatGTP and advanced computer vision. I think they will walk alongside us doing different functions and so on. But I think it's like Carter. It's, it's I think over the next few years it's going to be more like a co-pilot. So it's something that sits next to you. It's something that's it's supporting you. It's you know it's it's accelerating the way you do things. So the, the, and I, I do agree. There is some um, unrest at the moment, and there will likely be changes in jobs. We'll have to do things differently. You know, even as academics, we're having to do things differently. 
know, ChatGTP came on uh, on the scene in the end of 2022. And so what's that, what, what do we do about assessments? And all these questions are still very much active and alive. But I, I just think once this starts to settle down, and I think once this technology becomes embedded in, 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 into the, you know, the, to the fabric of what, you know, everything that we do, I think we'll start to definitely have this as an assistant. I don't think it will replace us like Carl said. I think it will just allow us to do things in a different way, allow us to accelerate those processes much quicker. Um, and who knows what it's actually going to uncover. So what what kind of things are we going to do in, in the next five, 10 years? You know, what, what, what kind of new jobs will be will we have available you know we've seen that with amazon the internet that completely transformed and changed the way we do things and i think that's going to be the same with artificial intelligence moving forward now and i think it's fantastic on the master's course and the students that we have it's great to see the excitement and um in their in you know in, in the face of when they start on you know, to break this technology down to understand how it works and that really what we found at least is it opens up ideas so it's, you know, we've seen people be a lot more creative. They come up with some fantastic ideas on how this technology can be used. Uh, and, you know, to cover a whole wide variety of, of problems, we had one recently where they were looking at uh, food wastage, you know, by applying artificial intelligence to try to uh, optimize how food is, you know, is sold and consumed uh, and used. And I, think that it, I think these kind of stories these kind of scenarios that they'll just become much more prevalent and the kids are used to this so the students now and the young younger generation they're you know they're, they're born into this technology you know this generation z they've you know they they, they want to come to university now never known life without technology and they're the ones that are quite comfortable and perhaps less scared about the technology but this newer generation are definitely the one that's going to give rise to new new processes new things new ideas and new ways of doing things, but it'll be a co-pilot for, for a large number of years. I think it's something that's going to be, it's going to sit next to us and it's going to help us rather than um, overtake the things that we do. Thank you so much for your time today. Oh, no, thank you. That was brilliant. Thank you. Thanks again to Carl and Paul for their time. If you want to find out more about the course or the project, you can click the links below. Make sure to give us a follow wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to get in touch, you can email us at podcast at prospects.ac.uk or find us on Instagram and TikTok. All the links are in the description. Thanks very much for listening and we'll see you next time.